Iman, there's so much to catch up with you. You've been very yep. busy since we last met. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we're going to, you know, as you venture more uh, into online uh, publishing, which you do with Sale E magazine, uh, with books like uh, Omar's, uh, just read it. Uh, but also, as always, you've got features and articles being written by various people in our community. So we're going to be taking a look at some of those articles this morning and getting into the subject matter of those articles. That should be great. Yeah. So congratulations. Fifth anniversary was yes. celebrated earlier this year yep yep it was really amazing five years of digital publishing i don't think i've ever imagined it like i could i didn't imagine it to end soon but then i don't think i've imagined it to grow this beautifully you know um five years and now we're not only an online magazine we're two online magazines and we ventured into digital publishing of books uh we've got so far four books we've interviewed earlier this year Adia Shamsi the first publisher and today we've got Amal the second book um and we've published another two books one that's poetry and one that's a short story um so it's really beautiful to see that kind of content being around made every day within our community and finally now having the portal to be spoken and expressed and read universally so yeah sounds like you had some real uh, expectations when you started out so yeah. looking back in the way you're reflecting is a person who really thought about things carefully yeah, and yeah. Uh, had realistic expectations and you've superseded them fantastic yeah. so happy with it yeah your background's in IT, IT yep. management, um, but you've always had this passion for literature, for the written word. And I think culturally, it's something that we would very much recognise in the Emirati culture when it comes to certainly poetry is a huge sure, part sure. of your culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in general, poetry, and I think Amar can always support in this idea, poetry has always been um, more like uh, a platform where the generations, the elder, the younger, so on, can communicate and can transfer a lot of the the ethics that we deal with, the morale that we are built on, and it's all within poetry. Whether the poetry that was from our uh, culture, whether the poetry that's the old Arabic poetry, um, I think a lot of it has been translated through poetry and the musical part of it has always made it easier for all of us to enjoy it much better so yeah it's a it's a shame that um the poetry can't really be translated um arabic uh, arabic is is a beautiful language and it's very very deep if only there was a way to translate the same words or to use the same i I don't think there's enough vocabulary in the english language to to translate exactly what is said in arabic poetry and and uh, it's so significant that there's a, a huge event that happens here called the uh, Sha'ar al-Million, which means a uh, uh, millionaire poet. So, you know, someone who actually there was a uh, there was a young man, a young gentleman, I think he was, I'm not sure which country he was from, uh, from one of the Gulf countries. And he won and, and, you know, they win a million dirhams or even more than that just by delivering a really good poem so that's pretty interesting and what was interesting about that was taking something that as you said you know the old Arabic classic Arabic Mm. something that has been culturally there for uh, centuries and kind of reflecting where we're at today where we're seeing it on the big screen on TV screens it's Mm. being broadcast all over the Middle East being celebrated and celebrated and marrying up with technology Mm. yeah exactly so even in the other magazine that I told you we started the middle of last year the reason that we started it is a lot of people were coming and approaching saying we have poetry we want to publish it but at that point and until this point Sale will always be an opinion pieces uh, magazine so I couldn't just put that in here whether they're Marathi writers or non-Marathi writers so when we started that the amount of poetry and just the thoughts being put in a very melodic kind of way 
it's just beautiful the amount of things that were published and things that anyone can relate to. So things between, oh, living abroad, alone, studying, or oh, my grandma passed away, or oh, uh, family that may so and so. It's just beautiful set of poetry that everyone can relate to and I think it's just beautiful. Definitely in the region as well, you know, this rich tradition of, I like what you were saying about passing on values and mm. lessons and social appropriate behavior. Um, it, it's a wonderful way of, through metaphors and storytelling, you know, mm. one of the best ways to learn is through sure. storytelling because it's less direct and there's more distance between the person talking and the receiver. Um, I think your pieces as well in, in, in your online magazine, Iman, are uh, so real and genuine mm-hmm. you know they're mm-hmm. they're the type now was that I- I- intentional that you didn't want them to be kind of heavy and academic and you very really wanted the author's voices to speak very yeah. intentional the we've got a very strong editorial process for every issue um, uh, my developmental editor is Adel Busaidi and she really goes through every single article making sure that not only is it strong in content it's as well we make sure that it's structurally correct. We make sure that in terms of ease of reading, it's really easy that anyone can understand it. It doesn't have to block someone from feeling, oh, this term is above my head, so this mechanism is completely out of my reach. And from the other side, we as well try to emphasize that every article presents a value and a lesson. We don't want it just to be a rambling. We don't want it just to be saying, oh, dear diary, this this has happened my day. No, you really have to make a point out of it. You really have to deliver a message either by suggesting a change or saying that this is a lesson I've learned from it. So we really try to make it that way and short enough that no one will you know, s- you know, the attention span is very short <laughs> yes, nowadays, yeah. so <laughs> we try to make it short enough for them. I mean, yeah, reflecting, you know, topics that all of us can relate to and maybe have an opinion on, uh, just some of them that we'll talk about and get into the features, uh, talking about social media and how that's impacting our lives. Also, when it comes to education, timely, you know, there are people that are young people that are leaving education this summer to go on to further education and how yeah. they make that transition. Uh, also about roots and identity and language you in this month's issue you've got a whole uh, piece about the arabic language and whether there's concerns around losing that that part of your culture and also redefining volunteerism and uh, sharuk albana explains how she's defining volunteerism and it's not just about saying i'm going to go to a foreign country and help out a charity it's actually what can you be doing on a day-to-day basis but I wonder, you know, they're interesting pieces and certainly pieces we talk about on the show, you know, those kind of topics. Does that reflect the kind of discussions that are happening in the coffee shops, in the homes, in the majlis when it comes to the Emirati community? Very much, very much. I think one of the main reasons that I started saying is that a lot of the discussion that we have when we are in coffee shops, when we are in different majlises and so on, are never really translated into any publication, whether written, whether a magazine, whether a newspaper. It's never really translated. So that's where it came that let's, whatever we really discuss, let's document it, let's write it and have everyone else understand that this is a common concern that we all have. So yeah. yeah. And I, think uh, can <coughs> I was going to mention something as well. I think uh, there's also 
also there there was this question that a lot of uh, my non-Emirati friends and colleagues would ask. They would always wonder, like, what do we talk about or what goes through our minds? So I would, uh, and and I think uh, Iman's uh, she's created a perfect flat platform to to showcase what what goes through people's minds here, yeah, the, the youth of the of the Emirates. And uh, this was also evident when I was at the anniversary. You would find a lot of the crowd was actually non-Emiratis. They would come and they would attend. So that I was really impressed to see that. So they're, they're actually keen and, uh, and interested now. They know what's going through our minds. So we're not just, uh, you know, hanging out in shopping malls or whatever. But now they can see there's something, there, there's, you know, there's a new generation out here. And now, you know, we're doing things with our lives. And did you expect that when you first started Sale E-Magazine five years that ago? That was one of the reasons. That was one of the reasons. because You I wanted to, to bridge the gap? Exactly. Because I used to get a lot of people who say, we don't know what you guys talk about. Yeah. That most of the times, even the, the news on TV is, for in English, it's actually restricted to half an hour. While what we have is every few hours, there is a session of, of news and it's for an entire hour. Uh, majority of the news normally go in the Arabic newspaper, not the English newspaper set aside all the community discussions are most of the times in Arabic publications so that's why sales started in sense well check out for yourself online it's an online publication and some great features and we're going to be just highlighting some of them we posted it up on our blog post this morning as well at the Dubai Today page at DubaiEye1038.com we are looking into not only the Emirati culture but you know people living within our community and uh, through the written word and the voice and opinion thoughts creativity that is is with Sale E magazine and we have editor-in-chief Iman bin Shaber joining us uh, talking about some of the articles also highlighting some of the books they're publishing now as digital publishers and uh, one of those books is Just Read It it's a self-help book and it's written by Omar Al-Pasweidi and he's here as well um, so let's take a look at Just Read It and I was looking at it earlier online and it's fun it's beautiful to look at but there's a serious side to this as well so Omar why did you want to write this book okay uh, so this is a, an interesting story uh, first a lot of people even ask me why they call the book just read it uh, well I'll get to the name of the of the book first but uh, uh, later but I'll explain to you why I wrote the book so um, uh, when I started my entrepreneurial journey um, I think uh, the first company I had I was 18 or 19 years old that failed in six months. I had an advertising agency. And then after that business, I had... But you uh, had an advertising agency? I had you an advertising agency while I was working and while I was studying. Okay. So I, st- I was studying at the... Uh, I was a student at the American University in Dubai. I was working at a bank and, uh, and, uh, and, I, started up, uh, and I set up something as well. So the advertising agency was on Sheikh Zayed Road. That failed miserably because uh, of poor planning and I didn't have enough cash flow. You need to have enough cash flow when you have an advertising agency. <laughs> uh, and then after that business, I had a second one. Uh, was, uh, it was uh, a boutique store selling women's dresses, wedding gowns. That didn't work So uh, because of location. So then I learned about location, 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 three rules of business. That didn't work. And then the, the, the third business I had was a consultancy business. Uh, I was 23 this time. Uh, it was called Connections Middle East. So I was supporting businesses coming from overseas, giving them consultancy services, not just being a local partner, but I really wanted to help them do business development. The problem with that is uh, I, was, I felt I was over-promising and I couldn't deliver because they, it just required a lot of time and I just didn't have enough time. So that's my entrepreneurial journey. It's, it it kind of, it didn't stop there. I, I just, I think it started from there. 
So and interesting, uh, that's your entrepreneurial journey, which exactly. what we're hearing is three failures potentially. But of course, this is what I love about entrepreneurs is how you take your experience yeah. and harness it yeah. and, and transfer it to the next project. Exactly. So what happened is uh, people heard about me and, and I was invited to an event. Uh, it actually happens every year. It's called Akun. It's organized by the Abu Dhabi Council for Economic Development. And they go around all the universities in the UAE, most of the universities in the UAE. Uh, now, it previously used to be only in Abu Dhabi. And uh, they invited entrepreneurs. So they invited uh, uh, the, the owner of uh, Just Falafel. They brought Ali Al-Sulum, who's a cultural, you know, Ask Ali. They brought him. They brought uh, Ali Al-Mazru'i. They brought uh, uh, a girl called Qais as well, who, Qais Sadqi, who, who wrote a book uh, called Gold Ring, I think. Yeah. And, then, and then there was, uh, there was also another lady called Sumayya Al-Maskari, who set up a flower shop called Petals. All of them were successful entrepreneurs. I was the only one there who sat there with like no business. To, but only for me, I was there to talk about my failures. Mm-hmm. So apparently from the universities that we went to, I, I was the most interesting one, I think. <laughs> so they'd call me, can that you please feedback. come back? Yeah. <laughs> like we want the person who failed in his business. <laughs> I was like, okay. But I kept going um, more than one, on more than one occasion to some of the universities. And then they just told me, we, we want you to come back here every week. I was like, okay. So I just kept giving talks and I started developing my own uh, notes. So most of my PowerPoint slides would have one big picture and just a, uh, a sentence on the top. And then I'll just have to do the talking because I know that the attention span is very, very short, short here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just wanted to, to get straight to the point. And one of the things that I would always encourage the students to do is take notes. However, a lot of them wouldn't even come with a pen to the classroom. So one time there was this one student, uh, the fact that I always keep encouraging him to write notes, she's like, look, uh, Dr. Omar, I'll tell you this. I don't like taking notes, but I like reading, which is also quite weird. You know, a lot of people here like to read. So then she said, uh, why don't you just write the book and I'll read it? And I just thought, and I was like, you know what? Of all the things in the world that I've done, so one thing I haven't done is write the book. I, I, before I, I leave this world, I'd probably want to leave my thoughts or leave something behind. Two years later, done with the book uh, and, uh, and the title. So I was talking to one of my friends. So and how old were you, Omar, at that age, at the, when you published the book? Uh, it was actually this year, in February this year. So just 28 before I turned 29 in March. Congratulations. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. So then um, what happened is uh, I had a lot of my thoughts together. And if you read the book, it's not, it's, it's, it's not in any particular order. It's all over the place because... Me, when I even have a normal conversation with someone, I'll talk about one thing and then the next thing I'm talking about <laughs> politics or I'm talking about this and be like, how did you get into this point? I'm like, I don't even know. My mind's like full of ideas and I'm, I'm like a, an artist, but like a painter, but with words or thoughts and stuff. So I'm all over the place with my ideas. So the book is the same way. And then the other thing I did with the book is there's a lot of images and the fonts and the colors because I get bored easily and... I couldn't like read it when I w- looked at it at Word document on the Word document. I was like, "Oh my God, this is horrible! I can't look at it." <laughs> so I told the designer who was from Saudi, and she designed the whole thing and made it very like infographic style. And that's how I like to look at stuff. I love infographics. And then with the title, I was talking to one of my friends who, who was a student at uh, Zaid University, uh, and I told her I was like, "Look, there's a lot of cool stuff, and I think people will like it, but I don't know what to call it. I just want people to just read it." She's like, okay, why don't you just call it that? I was like, what? She's like, just read it. I was like, hmm, 
okay. <laughs> so I called the book, just read it. Because every time people ask me, they're like, what's the, you know, what's the book called? I'm like, just read it. They're like, okay, I'll read it. But what is it called? I'm like, just read it. They're like, oh, okay, that's the title. What's I'm it like, about? No, what's just it about? read it. Just read it. So I'm like, ah. Oh. So Iman, what stage did you get involved in this process? I knew that he's already finished the book because his sister is a friend of mine. Um, so I knew that he even went ahead with printing the book, right? And he distributed it to a few friends. Yeah. Do you, uh, like that's when they uh, are. Yeah. W- and then he was struggling with finding publishers and so on. That's when he approached, and by all means, we just got it on. Yeah, and my sister advised me, she told me, Omar, start with the ebook. You can get a much wider audience around the world, like immediately and everything. It's on all these like uh, international or you know global platforms. So why don't you start with that and then go on with printing? So I did that, and I'm glad I did it because there's a lot of people who already in the U.S. Um, uh, started reading it and purchasing from there and from the U.K. and and they they like it, and I, I and there are some people from very high profile names. Uh, it's very very few got sold, but the ones that did buy it are some very important people, and I got their feedback. So when I do the hardcover, you might see some surprises. So I'm going to be referring some people on it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's uh, there, of course, at uh, Sally and on Amazon as well, and uh, on iBooks as well, and iBooks and Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, it's fantastic, and we're, we're going to find out more about just read it. We have editor in chief Iman bin Chaba with us, and of course Samine Shaheen, cross cultural psychologist, co-host of Voices of Diversity. And joining us today is Omar Albasadi, who is the author of Just Read It. And this is an online book that's been published by Sale E magazine as they venture further into digital publishing, uh, as well as, of course, highlighting features, articles, ideas, thoughts through the authors, through the writers that contribute to Sale E magazine every month. And just recently celebrating five years of Sale E magazine. Now, Omar, we're talking to you about your book, Just Read It, and people are texting in actually with questions one here a question for omar as a professional failure as you were telling us earlier that you as an entrepreneur young entrepreneur three different projects kind of didn't work for various reasons but you learned from each and every one of them and this led you one of the thing paths that led you to writing just read it a self-help book um, but this person says what would you advise someone who has failed and needs to get back up again so um it's, it's a great question, and I get asked that question a lot of times. Uh, and uh, and I, s- I start with using a quote by Winston Churchill. Uh, as soon as after the uh, Second World War, he, uh, he, g- he was invited to give a speech in, in o- at Oxford, and apparently this was the shortest speech he ever gave. And he went onto the stage, and he s- stood there, looked at everyone from left to right, front to back, and just stared at almost everybody at the audience. It was quite weird. There was this awkward silence. And he looked at everyone and he said, never, ever, ever give up. And then he, st- st- he stayed paused. He paused for another 30 seconds. And then he said again, never, ever, ever give up. And then he walked off. Thank you, and good night. That was it. <laughs> so, so that was, I think it's a, it's a very good uh, point. And, you know, a lot of people for I'll give you, and then I give another example of a very interesting entrepreneurial story KFC a lot of people don't know the story of Colonel Sanders who set up KFC very very quickly he was in he was around 60 years old received a check his pension was 99 uh, or 100 dollars that was it so he looked at the check and he was like okay uh, he can't do anything with this he had nine ingredients for uh, for what he wants to set up for, for KFC he went to so many different uh, restaurants around the neighborhood in Kentucky 
and everybody just told him, oh, you know, just get lost, grandpa, etc., etc. And they also, because he had this funny look, he would wear like white pants and a white waistcoat and white shirt. They didn't really take him for, for real. And finally, when he got a break from someone, you know, KFC began. But he was 65 years old and he had 1,009 rejections. When you're at that age and you get 1,009 rejections, he didn't change anything. Same outfit, same ingredients, after 1,009 rejections. And when you're at that age, no one would even think of setting up a business. So if he could do it at that and then become a billionaire, then what's there to stop you? But you, you have to believe deep inside first for so Salah in his question that you will be successful. It's first, it, it comes down to your inner feeling. If you really feel that you will be successful and you have this, um, that attitude, then everything will come, uh, will, will, fall, will fall in place. I think as well, you know, when oftentimes we think about success, we only focus on what goes right, yes. you know, or the positive outcomes and things. And people like yourself who celebrate and try and understand what has gone wrong, mm. try and improve it and make it better for the next time. So yeah. really it's about focusing on what can go wrong as well. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, uh, look, there's one more thing that is very, very important to explain to everyone. Like a lot of people want to enter some venture and they want to become this this famous word entrepreneur or business person, etc. There's calcul- There's risks and there's calculated risks. I give them a very simple example. So if you have money that you've saved to put your child uh, in, in, uh, in school and everything, you do not use that money. That's taking a risk. But if you have money that you know that even if someone robbed you at the same moment and you'll be fine and you won't like lose your head, then that's a calculated risk. So that's very, very important. Because a lot of people say, oh, it's all about risk taking. No, no, no. You have to be realistic as well because you don't want to sacrifice something where, you know, it could be a really big deal for and, and, and hurt others around you, especially the closest to you. Mm. So that's very important to remember. And in the UAE, we talk about entrepreneurship a lot and it kind of goes hand in hand with the sort of energy and uh, spirit of the place and that, you know, making things happen and it's, a, it's an ever-evolving, growing society and city. And so with that comes ideas, new ideas, how to be part of the growth of this landscape. Exactly. And, um, you know, uh, there's uh, and. and that's a very good point and also on Dr. Samina's point um, uh, when you when you want to set up a business or you want to get into something uh, it's very very important that y- you have to try really hard to not think about just the money to define success like you have to f- identify that with this growth there are just opportunities to do something and be part of that growth and and then people will feel that you're um, you're driven by by doing something good and then automatically by default you're just going to see people want to support you etc etc i've seen so many people here who've just seen the need for example starting something on um, you know healthy diet or healthy restaurants or whatever and it started like that and you wouldn't even think there would be money in it but then from nowhere they didn't even expect the type of sponsors that they would they would get involved in their businesses. So it's fascinating and when people go for what they really have a passion for. Yeah, I think they're having a passion for it. Yes. But equally, because of the ever-growing landscape that we are a part of, mm. I think there are some people that think or have thought, I can just, I've got an idea, I'm going to do it, and it'll make money. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't because no. maybe the yeah. passion isn't there, maybe the business plan isn't there pro- properly. Um, maybe the uh, mastery isn't there. Exactly. Know? 
Absolutely. Mastery is also really important. Yeah. People often forget you need passion, you need purpose, That's but you also need mastery. Mm-hmm. You know, and individuals who have made it, who, uh, yes, we don't see the thousand and nine failed attempts. They mm. have mastered it. Mm. You know, the people that you mentioned were at these talks with you. Yes, they were celebrating their entrepreneurial achievements today, but mm. how many failed attempts you yes. know, did they have that perhaps helped them master that exactly. situation? So yeah. it's, it's also very important. Uh, aside from entrepreneurs, we also have intrapreneurs here in the mm. UAE who I've met through the work I've done in learning and development. And exactly what you're saying, Omar, you know, these people are not motivated within the company. They're creative individuals. They're change makers. Yes. And they're not just motivated by the salary that they're making, mm. but they really want to contribute, not on their own business, but to the development of the business that they're part of, kind of like some of the businesses that you're yeah. saying you were part of. Exactly. The changes you made. You're absolutely right. Uh, entrepreneurship is, is it's something that most organizations are, are encouraging now and also innovation. Mm-hmm. The, the, the government just announced recently the National Innovation Strategy that, that, that is, uh, you know, every single, not just organization, but employees in that organization is part of their key performance indicators, their KPIs, that they have to come up with innovative ideas to support the growth of the business. So that's absolutely true. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's being encouraged by the leadership here. Uh, there's a text message here saying, Omar, hi, it's your sister. Uh, <laughs> are you planning to write a second book? And for Iman, will you publish non-Emirati writers as well? So, uh, well, we're just celebrating the first and uh, I guess you want that to bed in a little bit as well for the word to get out and to reach as many people as possible but you know second book already in the in the making for you yeah first uh, i'd like to say uh hi to my sister and i love you very much <laughs> uh and what's her uh, name Ida. 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 yeah she's a legend uh and uh so i you're never gonna let her be in uh, pop idol is that right <laughs> no no <laughs> this is that's one. the younger that's one that's the younger one is <laughs> the it? younger sister can forget about becoming a pop idol and the reason i say that it's in your book <laughs> it's right? in my book <laughs> <laughs> you make this comment yeah no now she just wants to play badminton and i'm going to put it like into tennis classes this summer but anyways but my um to Ida's question yes um uh, I am actually already starting to work on the second book okay. and it's quite interesting. This is the first you've heard of this, Iman. Yeah. yeah. The publisher. Uh, I am withholding the copyright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all good. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on the second one now uh, and, uh, and this is going to be more towards leadership. Uh, in fact, I was already invited uh, uh, to write for a magazine called Leaders and Thinkers of the Middle East. Uh, it's pub- it's published by a company called One World Communication, and they want me to to write for them. Uh, it's a quarterly magazine, so that gave me the idea to start writing this. The CEO of the magazine told me, "Look, I read your book, and I think you need to get involved with this more, and you're on the right path." So, yeah, I am working the second one. That's cool stuff. Um, thanks, Ida, for the question. Ida is the person I mentioned as the developmental editor that we've got on the team. Um, so, yes, we are open for all nationalities to publish books with us, as long as the book is in English, because of the limitation that we have on the system, whether it's iBooks, Kindle, Kobo, and so on. Th- it only reads English at this point. So, yes, we're open for everyone. I often think that we should have the sort of alternative Dubai today, with the conversations <laughs> yeah. that happen when well, we're off air. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or and just we leave the microphones on. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That happens sometimes by 
mistake, yes. Uh, so uh, you're just talking about footwear there, but you're in lovely footwear that you're sp- sporting today, Omar, and that's uh, supporting fellow entrepreneurs here in the UAE. Yeah, uh, th- so the company Tamashi, the brand, and uh, they're located in the uh, shoe district, level one in Dubai Mall, and uh, and I, I love them. I mean, I, I have them now for almost a year, and I, I look forward to their new versions to uh, for this year. For Supposedly this year. soon. Yeah, Supposedly I heard. Soon. I heard. Yeah. And again, just taking something very cultural with the footwear of this region, but making them very fashionable and colorful and, colorful yeah. and beautiful designs. I remember meeting the gentleman behind Muhammad this. Kadam, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're really, really wonderful. Uh, tell us a bit about the work that you are doing. You've got the book. Just read it. But you know, in Interesting. Uh, you work for the Abu Dhabi Tourism and Culture uh, Organization. Uh, you've very much got a background in trade and business. Um, you were telling me that you were the first, what was it, the first Emirati at the yeah. UK, uh, the British yes, Embassy. At the British Embassy, so uh, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, they've always, they've had uh, an Emirati at the British Embassy in Dubai, but uh, uh, so uh, <clears throat> I, I, I had a friend of mine who had a recruitment firm um, and uh, I used to always, he's an Emirati and always, he's looking after emiratization. We used to always just talk about different things. I was telling him about what I aspire to work in or do in the future. And I've always said I love international business, international relations, business, politics. I mean, I read a lot of books on these things and I, I follow a lot of people on this. Uh, and uh, uh, one day out of the blue, I mean, I was just, I, I had my job at the bank, etc., and then he told me, he's like, Omar, listen, there's a very interesting post. I have no idea how it came. This is like months after we spoke. Uh, and he said, uh, the British Embassy in Abu Dhabi, for the first time, they want to recruit an Emirati in their commercial section. Uh, and this will involve working very closely with the, with the British ambassador uh, and helping UK companies to do business here and to win contracts in the UAE in different sectors. So I thought, oh my God, that is amazing. And... The first meeting I had with the ambassador, 10 minutes after the meeting, he said, you got the job. He's like, you're exact. I was 21 years old. He's like, you're exactly what we're looking for. And, and everything that the job at the British embassy changed my life. It was the milestone. It was a thing that it was a turning point for me because when you're at the job and you meet everyone from at that time, uh, Lord Digby Jones, I met Ed Miliband, David Miliband. Uh, John Major, the former Prime Minister. I met um, Tony Blair. I met the Queen. I met Prince Charles. Every single one you can imagine. I mean, there's my British friends haven't met. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was amazing because you're sitting with them. And I was in some very high-profile meetings. And, and uh, in my head, I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm 21 years old. And nobody here has an idea. And, and um, the, I think the biggest... The biggest uh, um, celebration for me there was when I got a letter from uh, the CEO of, uh, I'm not sure if you know the, the, recru- the, the architecture firm, uh, Norm- Fosters and Partners, which is, which, which is owned by Sir Norman Foster. The CEO sent me a handwritten letter saying, you know, thank you for all the work you've done. Because of your work, we've got millions of pounds worth of business, etc., which I thought that was it. It changed, and it did change everything for me from that moment onwards. The offers I started getting, uh, the referrals, uh, and to where I am today. Uh, and I imagine also for the consulate for the British Embassy, yeah. in that there is exactly what should have been happening: is you have a Emirati helping deal 
bridge the gap and that whole cross-cultural not even transition but um, exchange exchange and it's about understanding each other better and how to do business and how to move forward when it comes to uh, trade you're absolutely right and and with that uh, what happened was I, w- I, I have been to three different leadership programs. I've been to, uh, uh, there's an organization that Prince Charles uh, uh, chairs and it's called Mosaic. They sent me on a leadership program in Qatar. Uh, I went to a leadership program in, uh, in uh, Beirut. Uh, and then uh, the State Department, the U.S. State Department sent me on a leadership program in the U.S. in 2013. It's, it's called IVLP, International Visitor Leadership Program. Uh, and, and then, you know, uh, I was recommended uh, this year. Um, uh, I was honored to be part of uh, one of the um, shapers. They call it Global Shapers. It's an initiative from the World Economic Forum in Switzerland that organizes Davos, and they organize a whole bunch of things. And uh, so we're a group of people that are looking at uh, tackling uh, youth unemployment, um, cross-cultural issues as well uh, in the region. Uh, and uh, also I was selected to be part of a committee called US-UAE uh, uh, Public Affairs Committee, and we're looking at trade issues as well. So all these things just they just keep coming, and you know you, rec- you get recommended, and they're like, okay, put this guy on board. And, and, and uh, the most important thing, it's good to be part of all this, but it's very important to remain grounded. This is what I tell everyone. Um, you know, I, I haven't let any of these things like change me, uh, and uh, constantly I just say that I, I'm, I'm like a global citizen and I'm trying to serve the public and serve everyone because you live only once and what's very, very important that I always think in my head is how do I want people to remember me when I'm gone? It's, it's the one thing that I... It's, it's like I, I wake up in the morning, that's always what I think of. You don't know when you could, you know, you just, it'll be the end of it. So... Uh, I always think, what could I leave behind? And where do you get these values from, Omar? Is this something that you, you know, just tell me, where do you get those values from? For me, uh, honestly speaking, from religion. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not very religious, but it's, it's one of the things that we are taught in Islam, and uh, uh, and you just, you know, you just have to turn on t- the TV now and just see the the mess around the world, uh, uh, also in the, in the region, and. I think, okay, fine, there's all of this, but how many of us here are aware and appreciate the blessings that we have and what can we do? Someone has to make a change. It's not about waking up in the morning and thinking, what clothes am I going to wear? Where am I going to hang out? What am I going to do? Etc. You know, and there's a lot of people that use social media or whatever just to promote that, but there are other more important things. So with all these skills that we have, all this knowledge, all this experience, one day we're going to be asked, what did you do with all of this? You're going to be held accountable. So with all this experience and all this knowledge, I want to, I want to give it back and share it to the other people, and especially the youth and the, this generation that's coming up, because they are very important. Look around you now. They're the ones who don't have anything to do, and then they get in trouble. And An empty mind is a devil's workshop. So how can you reinforce all these things there was a huge you know previously luckily for our parents generation they were much more closer with their with our grandparents etc but now if you look there's a huge disconnect between parents and children and you know family talking about mm-hmm. the family and you know we're giving them this so-called freedom to do stuff and whatever but then 
you you have to still continue to communicate those values and the things that are important and what they can do um and that's you know i, I don't know how and i ended up thinking like this it's a bit weird but uh, something is telling me some some voice and what would you say has been maybe the biggest challenge for you in your working life, uh, particularly where you are the sort of person that's, um, you know, like the sort of middleman, the exchange man who's helping bridge these gaps between different cultures and your own culture when it comes to business and trade? Uh, it's, uh, okay. Uh it's 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 quite complicated because uh, I, I I you know I tell people I'm a Renaissance man, and now I consider myself like a Renaissance man. And I uh, what what I've uh, what I try to do is what I've learned from the work experience and what I've learned from university, what I've learned at home. I try to communicate that in my business life as well, and also uh, and also even on a personal note. Like when I sit with my own friends, they they, they always call me grandpa. Because they're like, why are you always lecturing us, Omar? <laughs> like, why do you, is this the only thing you want to do? Like, every single time. Even when I talk to anyone, they're like, why are you always serious? Or when they look in my face, they're like, why are you always serious? Like, why don't you just want to have fun? I, I don't think, well, I do have fun. And I'm not saying everyone just to always have this kind of talks or this kind of conversation. But it's necessary. And maybe this is fun for you. Yes. <laughs> maybe there's me, lots of enjoyment. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I love talking about work. It's Maybe yeah, because you're mean, passionate about I'm it. I'm passionate yeah. about it, but then it, there's a lot of things from this, from working in these organizations, etc., that that you can implement in your personal life, and it helps you grow. Uh, so. Do you know, I remember, Suzanne, once we were sitting, um, we had a guest in the studio from the Philippines, and they were saying how in the animal kingdom, when you put crabs in a bucket, and when a crab tries to escape, instead of the other crabs also finding a way to d- escape, they'll grab Try that crab yeah. and pull it back <laughs> down. And it got me thinking as you were talking, there's always going to be supporters, but there will always be individuals who will say, come on, you know, why don't you just settle with a nine to five job and uh, sort of more settled life? You know, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 